0: Hi, and welcome to Tech News This Week. I'm your host, Tech Talk Editorial News Director, Anton Gonsalves. On today's show, we'll discuss Google's new managed service for connecting public clouds, the latest AI news from Dell, Microsoft, and NVIDIA, and Snowflake's acquisition of Neva for AI-powered search. This week, Google Cloud launched a managed service uh, that provided, provided interconnectivity with the cloud infrastructures of rivals AWS, Microsoft Azure, and Oracle Cloud. Here to discuss the multi-cloud networking markets and how it's evolving is analyst Bob Lalibert from TechTarget's Enterprise Strategy Group. Welcome, Bob. Thanks, Anton. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you. All right, so what's driving uh, Google Cloud to provide interconnectivity with uh, with competitors? You know, what's um, what is it hearing from its customers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think what what we've seen in our research is that you know the, the evolution to cloud has occurred at a at a fairly blistering pace. You know, if we were to look back 10 years ago, we would have seen that maybe 17, 20% of organizations were using public cloud infrastructure as a service. Today, its use is virtually ubiquitous, right? 95 plus percent of organizations are using infrastructure as a service. Um, what's become more interesting over the last three years, and this is just a maybe a indication on how fast things are evolving, just three years ago when we asked if organizations were using multiple public clouds like infrastructure only infrastructure as a service and platform as a service, not, not SaaS. I don't wanna include that in, as part of our discussion. Three years ago, a majority of organizations said they were using them, but when we asked them and, and double clicked and said, well, how are you using them? The vast majority were still using one and kicking the tires with the others. Move forward three years to our latest research and what we found is that about you know, 85, 90% of organizations are using multiple clouds and over half of them are using them in a meaningful way. So you're seeing this transition to, not only are we using the cloud, but we're using multiple public, multiple different public cloud vendors. And so that's really sparking uh, a need for organizations to be able to connect those clouds up and do so in an operationally efficient way, right? Obviously it's getting more complex if you're starting to put different applications on different cloud providers, even if it's spreading out workloads across different cloud providers. So that's really driving the need for organizations to have solutions that enable them to connect more easily to these multiple public cloud environments.
0: Yeah, I think I mean I saw I was looking at the ESG study uh, yesterday, and the number was like ninety-seven percent of the uh, IT IT pros and uh, networking folks that you you surveyed uh, were using multiple clouds. That's that's I was surprised. That's a big number. What um, is interconnectivity between the public clouds? But what other parts this? of this puzzle, you know, have to be, uh, are needed for for customers? I mean, obviously, they don't have everything that they need at this point.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's very good question, because what we saw today in the announcement this week from Google and their cross-cloud connect or interconnect service is that they're enabling organizations to directly go from a, you know, Google cloud property over to an Azure or to an AWS via, it looks like an Equinix uh, based on the, the demos that I saw and things like that. So able to have that cross-connect capability. The other interesting piece around this multiple multiple public cloud environment is the need for organizations to be able to connect to multiple different clouds without having to learn all of the nomenclature and tools and, and technology of each cloud. So when you see companies like um, uh, Aviatrix, Prosimo uh, Cisco, VMware, all of these organizations are all building out solutions that will enable organizations... To connect to multiple public clouds, but do so in an abstracted way, so they can learn that tool and then connect to any right. So spinning one up is just as easy as the next, without having to go through the process of learning all of the different technologies and all of the different procedures that are required for those cloud vendors.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also important to point out, I think that you know what Google is providing here, and I believe uh, Microsoft, you know. Microsoft Azure and um, AWS have some, you know, Oracle Cloud have, something, have similar interconnectivity uh, that uh, this is really cloud to cloud. You still have to get from the data center to the cloud. Correct. And that's where, you know, I talked to our company yesterday, Graphiant, you know, that's, that's what they do. And they're not worried about, you know, what the cloud vendors are doing between each other. It's more getting that, getting that data center you know, a Cisco environment or something to the cloud,
1: you know, in the data center. No, I was thinking, I was thinking you're right. You know, right now organizations are thinking about how do they expand their reach into the clouds and get to multiple different ones. Eventually, as they build out those workloads or applications that are distributed across multiple public clouds, that interconnection directly between the clouds are going to be a lot more important. And so I think we're going to see that coming, especially, you know, people like Oracle, where they have their databases there and they want to connect to a front end that's somewhere else. So I think that, that cloud-to-cloud connectivity is going to be important. Obviously, right now, a lot of organizations are figuring out, they're still in that process of how to migrate those applications to one or more public clouds. So those solutions, like you talked with Graphiant, the Aviatrix, et cetera, the Cisco, VMware, all those are focused on how do we enable organizations to more easily move those applications and connect to multiple different public clouds.
0: And is it, uh, is it too early to talk about disruption? In other words, vendors uh, that could, uh, technology in use today that could be replaced as,
1: uh, as the market evolves? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a really good question. I think it's, it's still very early. Like I said, only three years ago, no one was really doing multi, you know, multiple public clouds in earnest. And so we're only about three years into this market now, and we're seeing it rapidly evolve. It's great. I think competition is always great. Um, whether that is, you know, the, the hard part you have with maybe a cloud service provider is that maybe it enables them. You have to learn their their solution and then you can connect. But from what I've seen, you still have to know the other cloud providers technology. So there's going to be some pluses and minuses, some things that organizations need to look at. Uh, those, those existing ones today are going to enable that cloud to cloud as well. So I think there's going to be some there's going to be some good competition, and it's interesting when you see the heavyweights like the cloud providers, the Cisco's, the VMwares getting into the game. It's certainly going to drive and uh, drive the innovation, and which is always going to be good for the end user because it's going to dri- help to drive that operational efficiency, right? Make those tools simpler to use, have them become more powerful, more sophisticated, so that it can more easily connect to multiple cloud, multiple public clouds, and across multiple public clouds.
0: All right, so tech companies are uh, rolling out AI across product lines to uh, attract customers and capture the attention of Wall Street. This week, NVIDIA said it would release supercomputing hardware for running AI-based applications. The announcement followed Microsoft releasing uh, AI developer tools and uh, partnership deals between Microsoft, Dell Technologies, and uh, NVIDIA. Now, here to give us the why behind the news, is TechTarget Editorial's uh, AI reporter, Esther Zhao. All right, so let's start with uh, Microsoft. Tell us how Microsoft uh, is helping uh, developers tap into AI.
2: Yeah, so what they announced last week is kind of like they're widening their plugin partner. They're kind of adopting the same plugin partner as OpenAI, who they're actually um, partnered with. And so what they're doing is they, developers now have access to like 50 plugins uh, through their a new platform from um, Microsoft, and so the way they kind of view plugins are kind of like digital assistants. So you can also, as a developer, create and test your own plugin as well. Um, and also, like you are using the plugin to kind of be your hands and feet, so to speak, uh, when it comes to uh, practical applications of stuff like performing like practical things, like oh yeah, let's connect this plugin chat to ChatGPT and connect it to other applications like i don't know like reddit or stuff like that um in order, or even like travel applications in order to um be able to do real attacks like maybe book a travel or stuff like that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's always been uh i mean since it's uh since its inception that's always been microsoft's strong point is uh is developers and bringing them into the uh whatever Mm -hmm. ecosystem they're trying to build uh they're also They're also doing something, uh, they're integrating, um, they're Bing search engine with ChatGPT. You know, what's new on that front?
2: Yeah, so since ChatGPT was created, I think a lot of people have criticized the fact that, number one, it's not up to date. I believe it was like 2021 that it was up to date, which is more than a year ago. So now by having Bing um, search into ChatGPT, gpt being that is its default search engine that makes chat gpt a lot more up-to-date so to speak so now you if you were to ask chat gpt like what happened in the news yesterday because Bing searches now as default search engine that will make it up-to-date and so that eliminates that um weakness i think is the word when it comes to Chat gpt so that's uh, that's new and, and fun as well
0: yes and uh uh, Microsoft is up. It was a Microsoft that also updated its um, uh, the the data that it has in uh, ChatGPT. It's not whereas OpenAI is if you, for the free version is um, I think stops at twenty twenty one. But Microsoft uh, has updated uh, the data. Is that yeah?
2: That's that, basically what what I was saying is the fact that now Microsoft is um, allowing the free version. I believe um, from what I remember. ChatGPT Plus users now have access to like that updated version. Um, so that's the paid version, but free version, I think it's coming on later on
0: this year. Oh, okay, uh, all right, so the, on the partnerships, Microsoft uh, Azure Cloud has a new uh, partnership with NVIDIA. Dell Technologies launched a NVIDIA partnership called Project Helix. Um, you know, how am I giving us a summary of, the, of each of those?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so Microsoft, obviously they have a partnership with OpenAI. So one of the things I was asked the analyst is like, why do you need another partnership with NVIDIA? And NVIDIA obviously is a strong, um, is strong in the market. And so like that allows Microsoft to kind of stretch his wings a little bit more. Um, so now it's integrated with NVIDIA AI, enterprise AI, so they can also have part of NVIDIA GPUs as part of their, uh, stack. Um, so that's good for Microsoft. Um, in terms of Dell and NVIDIA, uh, and NVIDIA, um, for Dell is kind of entering the generative AI space in terms of they're doing it a little bit different in that now they have generative AI capabilities for on-premise, those who are interested in gaining those um, capabilities in on-premise. And I think one analyst basically said, oh, now they're offering generative AI in a box, so to speak. Um, and so now um, enterprises who are interested in stuff like that have um, access to Dell, cap- um, Dell hardware as well as NVIDIA hardware and software. So they call it Project Elix. Um And so it gives generative AI capabilities to on-premise um, users. So you don't want to use it in a cloud. You want to use it on-premise. It's an interesting because I think, I would say I think this is the first I've heard of something like hmm. that. Yeah, no,
0: it, 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 and it makes sense that Dell would want to sell you the hardware, software in a box, and you're good to go, and I assume that they may have some, a subscription fee involved where you pay. Yeah, you know,
2: yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, from what I've heard, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's an expensive upfront cost, but it's cheaper in the long run. All
0: right, finally, in the business analytics market, snowflake recently agreed to acquire neva neva offers a search engine uh, fueled by generative ai also alterix added an ai engine to its analytics cloud uh here to explain uh the uh the news is tech target editorials uh, business analytics uh, reporter eric abadon uh all right so how will uh neva uh, help data management vendor Snowflake uh, catch up with competitors. My understanding is that uh, Snowflake was uh, falling behind in uh, with AI services.
3: Um, well, I wouldn't say it was really falling behind. You know, it had some um, it had some AI capabilities. Um, what it really does is it brings Snowflake in line in terms of generative AI. And uh, then six or six and a half months since uh, OpenAI. First launched ChatGPT. Uh, there's really been a slew of data management and analytics vendors that have uh, either integrated with uh, OpenAI or other generative AI platforms or developed their own generative AI. Um, we've got like Informatica and Databricks on the data management side, Tableau, ThoughtSpot, Power BI on the analytics side. Um, but really a lot of what uh, what they've announced has, has been in just the last two months or so, and all of what they have announced uh, is still in preview. Um, it's really just theoretical at this point. Uh, no one has seen any finished products uh, on the data management and analytics uh, realm. So uh, by acquiring Neva, agreeing to acquire Neva, uh, Snowflake is really just bringing itself in line with those who have already uh, revealed integrations or uh, internal developments that are in the works and slated for general release sometime uh, vaguely in 2023. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It seems like uh, that seems common right now in the industry where the, the, the company's uh, vendors are making the announcement that AI is coming. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, they want to stay ahead.
3: I think it so gets they're... them a headline. It gets them in the news yeah. shows that they're at least in in on the game, Uh, but uh, in terms of what it will actually produce, what we'll actually see, you know, it's wait and see. We'll
0: have to wait and see, sure. Uh, Now, Neva, uh, Neva didn't have a successful product, right? Before the acquisition. Uh, So um, before Snowflake came to the rescue. Uh, So what was the status of Neva before this acquisition?
3: Yeah, it was a search engine um, that uh, it, it had lofty goals of competing with Google. Um, but it was going to be subscription-based so that it didn't have to charge for ads. Um, It was going to raise its money through subscriptions, uh, and it was going to use generative AI to personalize uh, responses, use machine learning so that it would learn about its subscribers and really personalize the responses, but it just didn't gain any traction. Uh, So on May 23rd, I believe it was, that it said it was going to suspend its search engine and uh, focus exclusively on generative AI. And then it was the very next day that uh, Snowflake uh, revealed that it was under agreement to acquire Neva. So it looked like the suspension of the search engine was really um, a precursor, uh, you a know, part of, of the acquisition. Um, sure. And that Snowflake was really just acquiring capabilities. Uh, it wasn't looking to acquire a, a, a customers.
0: Sure, and then trying to go head to head against Google, was probably not uh,
3: the best strategy for a startup. Yeah. It had its, you know, it's it had its slight differentiation, but it certainly wasn't enough to attract a, a large customer base.
0: Correct. All right. So uh, switching to Alteryx, uh, what are the AI capabilities the company is bringing to its uh, analytics cloud?
3: So it's kind of the same thing as all the other ones. It's um, it had its own previous pre-existing AI capabilities, and it's move is going to be to combine those with generative AI that it's bringing in through integrations. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's, doing, it's, it's building a search engine that it's call, building, excuse me, an engine that it's calling AIDIN, A-I-D-I-N. And it's really just a combination of pre-existing AI capabilities with uh, generative AI capabilities brought in from the outside.
0: All right, that wraps up this week's show. Thanks for watching and enjoy the weekend.